Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's Been Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good, Good morning, Lee. Hey, Rick, how are you? How has this season been for you? I've got to imagine every day is an adventure. You <laughs> celebrated last week the yeah. first birthday of your first grandchild. What a thrill that had to be for everybody. <laughs> it was great. Um, I my I got to tip my hat to uh, uh, my essentially my granddaughter's grandmother. So my my daughter's partner's mother, right. uh, Janet. Uh, she made uh, Kerbet, uh, um, Arabella, and I uh, matching uh, shirts. Uh, they're one fish, two fish. You know, red fish, blue fish. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Seuss, that kind of thing. So there's a really cool picture on her Facebook for Proust Pets if you want to take a look at that. <laughs> and I'm raising my arm one way and she's raising it another and it looks like we're twins. <laughs> and uh, it was the greatest time. And uh, then uh, the theme was uh, essentially uh, Pablo's um, uh, birthday. Oh, oh, she's into Mexican food well, already. You know, her first her first food was avocado at at uh, that you know hard food that wasn't uh, being nursed to her, and uh, it was avocados there, and uh, she just loves there. There's she loves rice. Uh, she she loves avocados. So we had an avocado Pablo theme uh, birthday party. Um, she had the. Uh, a cake was made for her that was in the shape of an avocado, and it was just perfect, right? And did the cake make it in her mouth? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Evidently, she was far more interested in playing with the avocado uh, than she was eating it at that point. So, unfortunately, three-quarters of the avocado cake, which which I tasted as it was crumbling apart, uh, just to make sure I could appreciate the the flavor. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty darn good-tasting cake. But unfortunately, most of it met the floor. So. Well, that's going to happen. <clears throat> now, Rick, we've got an interesting show today that we're going to get into. I happen to know this lady. Uh, her name is Jackie Wheeler. And the reason I know her is because, as you know, I recently uh, got a new puppy. And it just so happens Jackie is the breeder from yeah, whom right, right, I got the puppy. Right. Because Labrador she, Retriever. Exactly. Yeah. And she and my wife have become fast friends. And she had my wife go out there and watch her place when her daughter was getting married. Mm-hmm. And I've got to tell you, when I walked in and saw what appeared to me to be Noah's Ark mm-hmm. uh, that was there, I knew she would make a great guest. Well, that's great. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, evidently, I've traveled past 
her facility many, many times and had no knowledge of the fact that there was this peculiar world on the other side of the hill, if you will. Right. Well, and it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter where you live, there are interesting things that you can always discover. But for someone like you who has an appreciation for pets and for animals, yes. I figured that you would immediately bond with this lady because – I got to tell you, I don't know that I've met too many people who have spent a lifetime with animals the way she has. So it should be a great show this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us in the studio a first-time guest. Her name is Jackie Wheeler, and she is the owner of, well, at least the owner for now, of TLC Acres which is located in your hometown of Williamston. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you, and good morning. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you here, Jackie. I will tell you, if people have not driven by your place and seen it, then they have no idea what they're missing. Because, as you know, I had the opportunity this summer to come out and visit my wife, who happened to be staying at your place, to help watch the animals for a weekend. And, Rick, I had no idea what it meant to watch the animals. Well, and I've driven by there several times, but I didn't know uh, what you know well, um, that there was this, uh, you know, secret animal lover back uh, behind the behind the hill, if you will. Well, let's put it this way. I don't know if Noah in his ark had much on Jackie <laughs> in terms of the the quantity and, and variety of the different animals that she's got there. But Jackie, to begin with, you started, uh, or at least your reputation, I think, really started with dogs. And uh, it seems like uh, Labrador Retrievers was your initial love. Is that correct? Approximately 40 years ago, um, I started raising Labrador Retrievers, and I had a really good mentor, and he took it very seriously, and he drove that into me. So I was very, very fortunate, um, and so Labradors have been my, my main love, mm-hmm. um, have done that for years. I have some great working dogs, and I started with hunting and field trial. And did that extensively. And then as we started to lose our wildlife in the farm area um, for hunting, I turned to service work. So the dogs that I'm raising now are mostly for service work. I like to do it um, for PTSD um, people and a lot of veterans. Um, So that's where I'm at now. If we were to take a little journey out to your place, what would we see in the regards of even the kennel. Uh, what? How many dogs do you have, and what does it look like? Well, if you included my own, mm-hmm. um, I am licensed for over 20. Okay. And we take about 8 to 10 boarding dogs at a time. Mm-hmm. 
and then the rest would either be my personal dogs mm-hmm. or a rescue dog or two at the time. Okay. I, I do like to do some rescue work, um, and some of those dogs can be turned into service animals. So it is repurposing something that might not be seen for somebody else of what could be possible with this dog. And for those that don't know you, um, I think your interest in animals and pets uh, go a little bit more broad broad spectrum. I think we want the listening audience to at least get a breadth understanding of what your total capacity to appreciate pets is. (laughs) Well, I started very young and started with hamsters Mm -hmm. and loved them. And from there, I went to rabbits. And during that time, into horses and Mm 4-H. And I think 4-H is a great start for kids um, Mm -hmm. with an animal project. Um, So that was where I kind of started. Uh, I kind of veered off in the 80s to llamas and started on that journey. And from going to the llama sales, um, that puts you into an exotic animal Field, Okay. And from there, it just blossomed. So we've had everything from zebus to uh, elk to deer, um, buffalo, elands, and then some of the smaller arctic fox, uh, parrots. We, we do have a couple of parrots and have, over the time, uh, being... Uh, it's just been a real interesting. Uh, Has this system. always occurred there in Hazlitt? Um, I started actually in Langsburg. Okay. And then came into um, Williamston, mm-hmm. and we moved twice. Okay. To where at we are where we at. When now. did you move where you're at now? Um, about eighty four. Okay. Eighty four. So quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and how much acreage are we talking about? Well, we have 10 acres right now. Okay. So when they refer to uh, what it's referred to the actual name of the TLC acres. TLC. Okay. That'll be easy to remember. And it's interesting because, Jackie, I remember coming to your place when Rick and I were first launching this show. And at the time, you were actually helping people deal with end of life type issues where you were, uh, whether it was jewelry or uh, ways to take care of your animal at end of life. And that was an interesting business at, at that time. Is that something that you've stayed with over time or we, not really? Maybe no. clarify what that means because jewelry, end of life. Let's be clear on what was the business? What is the business? The business was a crematory and it was helping people get over the grief of their pets as Mm -hmm. they passed. Mm -hmm. And we had a crematory um, that was not in Williamston. It was in Lansing, but we had the office in Williamston. Okay. And so the pets were returned there, um, and then people would pick up their pets there. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we did get very involved in some people's lives um, as they were losing, you know, some of their pets. You have a... Uh, Definitely uh, life's rainbow of activity when it comes to, you know, different animals. Is there anything that if I were to say just the word why, 
does that mean anything to you or can you e- e- explore as to why you do or why you've done what you what you have the path that you've taken I don't know if why really fits but it is it starts a lot with rescue and okay. you see some of these animals being abused in situations mm-hmm. and you want to make their life better sure so i ended up getting several animals out of a rescue situation um and then that kind of puts you on a different path and people know that you are doing this mm-hmm. so someone else knows mm-hmm. um as an example, I just picked up a bird about four years ago who's a cockatoo. Sure. And their long lifespan is, you know, 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a 60 or 70-year-old person do with that cockatoo? Mm-hmm. And if the rest of the family doesn't want that cockatoo, they need to find someone to take care of it. Sure. And I had a gentleman come out to me through another friend, and he said, I would like you to take my cockatoo. And I said, I don't want your cockatoo. Mm -hmm. I have one. They're loud. They're Mm -hmm. noisy. They're very bonded to you once Mm -hmm. they... It can be a stressful event just trying to make that separation. That's correct. Um, And this was a gentleman. So a bird going from a male to a female Mm -hmm. owner, Mm -hmm. I felt would be really hard Mm -hmm. for that bird. And he said to me, I'm dying of cancer. And I said, I'll take your bird on one condition, that when you get better, you'll come back and you'll take him back. Mm -hmm. And I've had the bird four years now. Mm -hmm. And the man has passed. Mm. Um, And that bird is my love. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it worked out for the way it was supposed to be. And I found that most of the animals I get are that way. Yeah. Um, They just, they know they're being rehomed. Mm-hmm. And they want a secure place, and they feel that at our place. That's nice, mm-hmm. very nice. Now, Jackie, uh, in addition to all of these other animals, and frankly, the Labrador retrievers that last I saw, you had six puppies floating around. Now, unfortunately, because of my wife, now the number was at least down to five. <laughs> I have three of those Labradors. Okay. Um, but what got you into the standard poodles? Because that was a bit of a surprise to me because I just, you were always a Labrador person. And why did you think? that, hey, we need to get into standard poodles, too. Um, I do like standard poodles, and I saw what they can do. They're a working dog. And when I got involved with helping people and veterans um, get a service dog, Mm -hmm. some of these veterans are disabled to the point where they can't have a heavy dog. Standard poodles are very lightweight for their size. Mm -hmm. Most of them run right around 50 pounds. And a veteran that is disabled can still get that dog in and out of a vehicle and maneuver that dog around. It's also hypergenic, non-allergies. Most people can do with a standard poodle that they cannot with a Labrador. And probably even a little bit more athletic. They're very athletic. Um, They have the longer legs, so they are – and they're fast learners. 
um, a Labrador doesn't mature until they're between two and three. And a poodle at a year and a half, I can have on the road working with a veteran full time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Labrador goes through the puppy stages and the standard poodle goes through it, but in a much shorter time period. Yeah, yeah. I just love the standard poodles. Yeah, even uh, the smaller poodles, uh, I had that as a pet, you know, uh, and Buffy was just an incredible personality and very smart and very um, interactive with humans more so than any. It was my my daughter's, when she, my daughter is now in her 30s, but when she was just uh, a very young child, like four years old, she'd have one of the doll push-around Car, um, strollers, you know, for dolls, you put them in there and you stroll them around and she would just take Buffy and lay her backwards and Buffy would just sit there. She'd clip her in and she would be able to push her all around the store and uh, have just the greatest time. And, and there is a certain, um, it's amazing how you have dog one and dog two. One happens to be a Labrador and one happens to be a poodle. But there's a chasm of difference, and yet you can enjoy and love and appreciate all the aspects of each of them, you know. So, and now, have you had the like miniature poodles compared to the standard poodles, and how do they differ? Because I've never had a standard poodle. Um, I have not had the miniature poodles, so yeah. I don't know a lot about those. Sure. Um, but the standards are a working dog. Originally, they were a working dog okay. in the field. Um, they were not meant as a house pet um, like the mm-hmm. smaller versions would be. They were working, and they were meant to swim and exercise and be very athletic. Um, and they have a very big dog mentality mm-hmm. um, compared to some of the smaller breeds. Yeah, yeah. And in your experience with working with individuals, for instance, with PTSD, do you work directly with these people or do you work specifically with the dogs and then they go off to these people? Have you had opportunities to kind of experience these individuals and how it affects their lives? I have. I do work with the American Legion Post 269 out of Hazlitt. Okay. And they have helped me find veterans and make sure that they're qualified. And then we try to place a dog with what their needs are. Um, I've actually had some veterans that have come to me and I've helped them train their dogs. Um, I'll help them pick their dogs out and then help them train them. Mm-hmm. And then they take the dog home, they come back to me, we do some training sessions and then they take the dogs back again. Um, maybe I take it for a few weeks at a time to put some finishing touches on it mm-hmm. and then they go home again with it. Um, these dogs are all certified. Uh, we go through a process of meeting requirements and regulations, and they are all qualified to be in the general public. Wow. And that has to feel pretty darn rewarding. Uh, do, do most of these stories end up turning out okay as far as getting the two together? It It isn't easy to find a good fit, and when you do, you really see it. The dog will respond to the person, and the person will respond to the dog. Mm-hmm. I've had people come in, dogs walk around, go to the person that they're supposed to, that they, of course, have no idea which person mm-hmm. is the one in need, and sit right down and lay their head on their lap. Um, I've had 
young people that are artistic come in and not even want to touch a dog. And by the time they leave, they're walking a dog around the front pastures um, in an enclosure. Um, so you see a real benefit in what these dogs can do. The older vets um, that might have knee or leg issues and walking ability, these dogs can help them up off the floor if they fall. Mm -hmm. um, the larger dogs will brace what we call brace mm -hmm. for a person to help lift them up off the right, floor right. or downstairs. Um, they can monitor the stepping as the dog and the person go down the stairs, which is very helpful for some of these mm. people. Fascinating. We're speaking this morning with Jackie Wheeler, who is with TLC Acres in Williamston. And Jackie, we need to take our first break. But when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk with you about some of your other animals, because one that you didn't mention yet that I find to be the most exotic of all are wallabies. And so I would love to hear, uh, tell, tell us about wallabies and how the heck you got them and why you got them. And okay, we that, can do that. And that's the conversation we'll have right here on 1320 WILS. If you're out of the listening area, you can hear the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show live online. Go to 1320WILS.com and click on the Listen Live link. Finally, two hosts your pets can relate to. It's Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Like it's 935 and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning with Jackie Wheeler, who is the owner of TLC Acres out in Williamston. And Jackie, before the break, I hinted at it that I understand puppies. And I understand a lot of different animals that people can have, but wallabies, I've got to say, I've never met anybody who's had wallabies, save maybe a zoo or two. And so tell me, what the heck are wallabies? Why are wallabies? And what is your Running story around with TL wallabies? TLC <laughs> acres. <laughs> exactly. Um, we probably started with wallabies about 15 years ago, and we bought a baby Joey and got a male first um, because they're a little less expensive than the females and thought we would just get our feet wet with that. Mm -hmm. And we started him in a pouch because he was very young when we got him, and he was on a bottle. And before you knew it, um, he was sitting on the couch with a diaper on, watching TV with the Australian Shepherd. <laughs> and, Pictures, please. Yes. Um, and both of them would watch TV together on this couch. Um, it really was a strange situation. But Personality Plus, um, they make an excellent pet if you have the time for them. Mm -hmm. They do require a lot of time. When you say lots of time, at what age is it that they need lots of time? Is it their entire life they need lots of time? Is it the first six months, the first two months? Is it training that means means they need lots of time? Help explain. Okay. Um, if you get a youngster, you have to bottle feed it every several hours. So that 
requires a 24-hour commitment. And it's helpful to get a youngster just for those listening because that's the best chance you have of kind of imprinting. Is it that fair imprint, enough? It does imprint, yes. And, and it will bond to whoever is the bottle feeder. Sure. Um, we have a pouch that we carry them in. Yeah, I got, you got to explain this pouch. <laughs> okay. Um, the mother kangaroo has a pouch in for the sure. front. For yep. And the baby sits in there. Um, and, and drinks and gets its nourishment. Right. And when you take that baby out of the pouch, it needs some kind of a sack to go into like its mother Does it need extra provide. warmth? It does need warmth because it doesn't have a lot of fur yet. Yeah. It'll have a light coating mm-hmm. of fur. Mm-hmm. Um, we would use the little... Um, rice bags that you heat up in the microwave for a few yeah, seconds. Yeah, for sure. And we would stick those in the bag. Um, this bag is something that looks like a woman's large purse. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I have taken them almost everywhere with us because they had to be fed. Yeah. Um, we've gone to restaurants with them. <laughs> we've gone to art festivals with them. Yeah. And no one has a clue what is in this bag. <laughs> I did have um, a fella at Ann Arbor at the art festival who was an Australian, and that baby picked its head up and poked its nose out of my pouch, and he knew instantly what it was. Um, so that was that was the probably the only experience. If, if we were to travel to Australia, do individuals there ever? Have these as pets? Yes, they do, but mm-hmm. they are a wild animal over there, also. For sure, for sure. That's yeah. just for those. Is it specifically Australia? Is there other near continent, uh, near near ter- uh, area? Let's say New Zealand or anywhere else, or is it exclusively? Pretty Australia? much, Australia Only. is yeah. is yeah. the main hub of wallabies that originate. Living in the wild. Yes. And then I guess my quite uh, for a description for the audience, I'm just imagining that a wallaby is just a essentially uh, related to a kangaroo, but is just smaller. Am I wrong? Correct. There are about nine or ten different species of wallabies mm. or kangaroos. Um, there are several different sizes. The big red wallabies or gray wallabies are up to six foot tall. Hmm. Um, the wallabies are about three and a half foot tall and maybe 35 to 40 pounds. Do you happen to know if wallabies are just a type of large or small kangaroo or are they their own separate? They're all the same species. Okay. They just have, um, it would be like a Labrador retriever and a standard poodle. Oh, no joke. They're hmm. they're both the same DNA, but they're just different sizes, different breeds. And do wallabies walk on two legs like kangaroos? <laughs> they do. They hop. They use their tail as a balancing beam, and they are very fast. Um, they can move right along. Um, and are they escape uh, threats to get out for, yes. uh, from you? Because I would imagine yes. that <laughs> they, they, they might have that. Wall would be on the loose? <laughs> Wall would be happened? on the loose. It has happened. We have not had that problem. But I have heard several people that have said uh, we have a wallaby loose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there wasn't one in Florida just recently that um, – had to be recaptured that was so, running loose down there. So we know they'll watch TV. Help us further understand and appreciate a wallaby. 
Um, I don't want to say that they're. I guess I could. I could say that they're like a cat. Okay. Um, sometimes they're very, very affectionate, and they really want your attention. And other times they really want to be left alone. Aloof. Yeah. Very aloof. Um, they also like their person. Um, the one person they've chosen. The t- person that they choose. Yeah. Um, They're not normally going to choose if there's six in the house. There's no way of nurturing them such that they want to be, like, attached to three people. It might happen, but I would say that would not be normal. Don't don't expect it. That's correct. <laughs> now in they're your, going to pick. Now, in your case, what's intriguing is that I did notice someone else that the wallaby bonded with, and that is the chickens. Because bottom line is, you had a bunch of chickens in the pen with the wallaby. And I, my first thought was, oh, I wonder if that's dinner this <laughs> evening. And in the meantime, no, they get along great with each other. They do. Um, um, we didn't start them that way. They had their own uh, separate area. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chickens' numbers went down, so I didn't have as many chickens. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like the chickens needed some companionship too. And they all would go outside together, so I started bringing them back inside in the mm-hmm. evening mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And they all got along just fine. You know, I... I've uh, been doing this a long time, and one of the things that I find marvelous is how different species of animals, based on the kind of animals they are, are signaled by different species. For instance, there's the story of a of a, a parrot. It might have been an African gray. I can't remember. Yeah, it was an African gray. And um, they had the dog in the house. Um, the bird stayed more in its cage than anywhere, right? But the but the dog was just part of the home. And then something happened where I think the dog ran away or whatnot. And the you wouldn't know necessarily that the dog and the bird had a relationship. But you have to remember that that dog is sending all kinds of signals to the bird when things are safe and when they're not safe. And then the bird, you know, at its you know, mercy, you know, picks up on all that energy. And I was just thinking about the wallabies when I think of when I watch them on TV running around Australia, they're in a group sharing information, if you will, as to how to be safe. And I would imagine between the chickens and the wallabies, they have actually kind of a similar, you know, harem type um, way of life. I would imagine that there's some signaling, if you will, between the two species so that they both understand life is a bit safer or when when it's time to eat or whatever. Has that been – does that make sense? Is there any relevance to that in I this situation? It, I think it does make sense. Um, they have seemed to bond up together. Everybody gets along. No one's excited when the wallabies start to run. Uh, the chickens don't seem to notice it as yeah. being anything different. Yeah. Um, where if it was a different species of animal, if they would get freaked they out, they would be mm-hmm. really freaked out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah there's uh, in in the case of this African gray, I know eventually the dog came home and the bird went from a depression and quiet and having a really rough time dealing with it 
to back to 100% again once the dog showed up. And they didn't realize, you know, the owners didn't realize there was a relationship there, but there was a relationship there. And that's what I oftentimes like to share with people when they talk about birds, for instance. Um, I always give it the uh, crows in the cornfield, right? Um, They love each other in their own way, but nobody's like sharing the stocks and shaking hands with each other or rolling around on the bottom. They're just near each other and they have their own pals that they always hang with. It's like you and the wallaby would be that connected force, but the other energies around them, all the other crows that are in that cornfield, they're signaling from that whole energy associated with that. When one flies, it sends the signal for the rest of them that, hey, there must be an issue. We've got to go. Right. You know, And I, I just find it uh, interesting when you have mixed company, if you will, and, and how that can actually work out. And we don't really think about it from their perspective. <laughs> You know, it's a it's a fascinating subject. There's no doubt about it. We're speaking this morning with Jackie Wheeler and Jackie, we need to take one more break. But when we come back, we'll continue the conversation and maybe we'll get into some fish, some birds. Who knows? Maybe some boarding. (laughs) Maybe some boarding. Uh, Who knows? We've got Noah's Ark taking place out in Williamston and we'll continue the conversation right here on 1320 WILS. To the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been speaking this morning with Jackie Wheeler, who is the owner of a boarding and and farm, and who knows how else to describe it. It's called TLC Acres. Just call it a wild adventure. No kidding. It, it's in Williamston. And Jackie, let's talk a little bit about the boarding situation, because for people who don't know, that's been a big part of what you've done as well out at your location over time, was that if someone was going away or needed someone to watch their animal, what the heck? You got every other animal in the city that's out there so they would come to you uh but now with you going to florida talk about kind of how that's all going to work okay um we have a very small boarding kennel which is very private um we don't have a hundred dogs so it is um very exclusive to the fact that we take really good dogs uh, nice quiet dogs and most of them have to get along um, they are individually kenneled. Um, everything is heated and air-conditioned, and um, there is a living quarters up overhead. So there's somebody on the premises 24-7. Um, we are, uh, my husband and I are leaving for Florida, and we have someone else that's coming in and taking over the kennel business for us. Um, we think they're very enthused and want to continue on. And they'll make some changes of their own, um, but they want to keep it private, and they want to keep it small. And that seems to be what our niche has been. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even try to say we're, we take 100 dogs. We don't want to do that. You probably don't have the facility to do that. We don't. Um, we have a good size facility. We have okay. about 3,000 square feet. Um, but okay. um, we only take you know 8 to 10 dogs. Yep. And we have separate play areas for them outside, big areas. Um, We are licensed with the Ingham County. They call us a country kennel. 
um, because we don't have astroturf and, you know, dogs are allowed to be dogs. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and you've been doing that for how long? Uh, about 40 years. Okay. Yeah. So we have yeah. some definitely experienced hands and then probably the people that are um, taking over uh, those responsibilities. Have they gone through some training, some understanding on how to go about doing this? Yes, they have. Um, actually, um, they have standard poodles themselves. Oh, nice. And... Um, He's uh, kind of a farm boy, mm-hmm. so he has raised beef and cattle and sheep and things like that. Um, she grew up in kind of the business, so she has a real handle on what should be going on in a boarding kennel. Now, if somebody wanted to actually get a hold of you uh, in today's world, would one just look up uh, for them, for them going forward, will they still be keeping the name uh, TLC Acres, or how would they actually find an opportunity to bring their dogs to you for boarding? Um, it will continue to be TLC Acres. Okay. It is listed as TLCacre.com. Okay. Um, there is a website for it that will stay up. Okay. Um, there'll be some revisions on it, but they would still be able to do that, and the phone number will stay the same. And then it does sound like there would be some screening, like not all dogs can pass. That's correct. Um, um, what, what what would be the, you know, for somebody that has a dog and they're looking at it and they need to board it, what features in that dog would you want to be them to be, you know, self-reflecting on as to whether it it's worth a phone call? Um, if your dog is social, likes people, likes other dogs, those are the kind of dogs that we really like to see. Certainly, take. because when they're there, they do have their own area, but then they have times when they spend with each other? Yes, they do. Okay. So so it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, playground time. It is. And they have an opportunity to kind of have fun and run and play. And, and then at, at times, probably at night, they're going to be in their own enclosure. Is that it? They are in their own enclosure, um, but they still can see other dogs. Nice. And uh, because someone is there all the time, they have interaction with people. Good, good. Yeah. Um, What will happen with the rest of the TLC acres? Um, Are are the wallabies going to hop down to Florida with you? or? Um, or? They are hopping down to Florida. Nice, nice. The Labradors will be going too, and the standard poodles. Nice. And the chickens are already there. So tell us what you have in Florida, just out of curiosity. What do you what 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 you know? You moved a couple times in Williamston, or in Williamston, and you had a a place before. So you're not totally foreign to moving. But it was 40 years ago, I believe you said, or maybe no, about 38 years ago ago that you last moved. How has this gone, and where are you moving to? And tell us a little bit about the excitement for you coming forward. Well. I'm not a winter person, mm-hmm. so I really love the beach. And I have been going to Florida around the Venice and Englewood area for mm-hmm. many years and finally just decided that I did not want to shovel snow anymore. Right. And we located a place a little over a year ago in Venice, and we have now gone through two hurricanes. I was going to say, because Venice was not far from the eye of that hurricane that just happened just a few months ago. Fort Myers, Sanibella Island, and Inglewood. Is that like 30 miles away from Venice? Correct. Yeah. Um, but your property did okay? Uh, we did really well. 
Um, we were very lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, we lost some fencing and things like that. How much acreage do you have down there? Um, we have a little over an acre and a half. You can't have a lot of property down there. You can't. We have a very big lot and a very small house. So we are all set. Nice. Nice. And uh, it's basically you and your husband? Yes, it is. Is that great? That's very good. How long have you been married? We've been married 22 years. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And... I saw Key West on you, on the front of your vehicle. Do you travel a bit as well? We do. Yeah. I, I love yeah. Key West. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Jackie, when it comes to all of the animals, I think we've pretty much gone through all of them, but we haven't talked about your fish. And I can't skip that subject with Rick Pruce sitting at the table because bottom line is, if there's anything he's famous for, it's fish. So talk a little bit about your fish tanks. Well, I do have a couple of fish tanks. I love angelfish. Yeah. And I love discus. Yeah. yeah. And those are my two favorites. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Beautiful fish. Yeah. I would imagine uh, out there could be a little difficult for your discus. That water's got to be pretty hard out there. Nowhere in Williamston can you find a real friendly water for discus, but uh, do you have discus currently? I do. And are they just tolerating the water you have? Um, No. um, I I buy special water for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I have it filtered and I have a system on it. Good. And so what size are your tanks? Uh, 75 and a 50. And how many discus do you have? Uh, about nine. Yeah. Tell for the listening audience what, what, what you love about a discus. Um, I think they have a personality. Mm-hmm. You go up to the tank and they'll come over towards you right. if they know you. Right, right. Um, if they don't know you, they will stay, stay to the away. back. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're just a real fun, calm fish. Yeah. Um, I can sit in the evening and read a book and watch my discus fish and feel the stress. Just Relief. Ev- evaporate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those that are listening, um, a discus fish, I think a lot of people know what an angelfish looks like. And I imagine there's a reasonable number of people that know what a discus looks like. But for those that don't, they're one of the most striking fish that you'll see in that they're the size of, you know, a small dinner plate when they're in full size. But the colors on them are just hard to describe how beautiful and colorful and swirled or you know there's different varieties of discus but they all tend to have some just highlights of color that are exceptional so between the temperament of that fish and then the appearance of that fish they are just truly striking very Uh, colorful well jackie i want to thank you for coming on the show with us today it's been a real pleasure to talk with you i'm glad we could do this before you went to florida good best of luck to you with that and rick uh we've just we've run out of time uh, but we could go on forever with this conversation but a thank you to scott holiday is producing the show and my partner rick pruce this is lee cohen wishing all of you a great weekend a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great week, everybody.